You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Dinner was served. His strength dried up. His, his hope was lost. His future determined. Dinner was served. The prophecy was told, the prophecy unfolding, the prophecy fulfilled. Dinner was served. And he laid on the ground in fear. And he laid on the ground in weakness. And he laid on on the ground with a, a gnawing hunger inside of him. Dinner was served. It was the last meal for King Saul. And out of all the places to be at the end of his life, out of all the places to find him, King Saul joins his servants and the medium at Endor around the table. And she has slaughtered the fattened calf. She has kneaded the flour and baked the unleavened bread. Dinner was served. A haunting scene for the king. And silence filled the room. And fear filled their hearts. They They ate one last meal together, then rose and went away in the night. The time had arrived. Hours bleeding into minutes. Death was near. And this would be the end of King Saul and his sons. So after 36 weeks of studying 1 Samuel, this is the end of the beginning of our story. Let's take one final look at this book together. A story of really bad news that points us to the very good news of the gospel. This is the death of King Saul. We'll be in 1 Samuel 31. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in your bulletin. <clears throat> but before we read the account together, let's pray together. Father, um, we're humbled. I am humbled uh, to even have the opportunity to have a copy of your word the opportunity to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ around your word, the opportunity to study 1 Samuel and the grace through it all. For all the things we get, all the things we don't get, all the things that that we're doing really well with, all the things that we're struggling with this morning. God, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us in all of this. But God, as as we look at this last chapter, and, and just the, the darkness of it. God, may you fill our hearts with, with the hope of the gospel. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So I'll start in verse 1. This is chapter 31. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. 
and the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchai, Shua, the sons of Saul. And the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was boundly wounded by the archers. And, and Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword, thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword, and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, well, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. Verse 8, the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Galboa, and they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, they fastened his, his body to the wall of Beth Shan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Beth Shan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and, and fasted for seven days. It's brutal. It's a brutal graphic chapter of the Bible. And yet the title of the message is good news. Not good news that King Saul has died. Not good news that Israel has scattered. Not good news that the Philistines have invaded the land. Not good news of evil and darkness. It's good news because as tragic as it all is, it is pointing us to a greater story of redemption. That as I've, I've said all along, that, that King Saul might point us to King David, and that King David might point us to King Jesus, because the truth is, God never desired for Israel to have an earthly king. He is their Lord. He is their master. He is their sovereign. And yet, Israel, Israel wanted no part of that. Israel demanded their own way. They rejected the Lord. It's, it's the conversation between the people and Samuel all the way back in chapter 8. I'll read some of the account. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And the thing, it, it displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. They, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. And so they are also doing to you. 
Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So it was, is, and always will be God's plan to be king over everything. So as we've walked through 1 Samuel, and as you read the Old Testament, um, you're, you're confronted with this reality that, that these guys are often failures. Some good, some bad, just, they're never enough. These kings of God's people always lack. These kings of God's people always point us to the Lord as king. It is literally the prophecy that Jeremiah told us thousands of years ago in Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And so as we look at this, this tragic and prophesied ending of King Saul's life, we can also look, to, look at the bad news that points us to the the good news, the great news, the, the best news that King Jesus is everything that you've always wanted and everything that you've always needed. So, what's the good news? Well, unlike Saul, here's point one. Our king defeated the enemy. So verse 1 of our passage this morning, it was the Philistines that were fighting against, against Israel. And chapter 31 picks up where chapter 28 left off. The Philistines have encamped at Shunem, and the Israelites have, have encamped at Gilboa. I'll show you the same map that I showed last week, so you can even see uh, the trek from Jabesh Gilead to Bethshan um, on that map. But you can see the location of Mount Gilboa. And as verse 1 reveals... It's a bloodbath. The enemy pursues Israel back to the mountain where many of them are taken out. But it's, it's verse 2 that we see this, this unfolding of the disaster. And the, son, or the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchai, Shua. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy that Samuel literally gave from the grave. 1 Samuel 28 19 from last week. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Saul have now joined Samuel. But Saul, he, he took a little longer to go. The enemy pursued the king. It's time for this dynasty of Saul to die. The archers did what archers do. And one, maybe several arrows, sunk into Saul's flesh. And as the text of verse 3 says, that he was badly wounded. And so in verses 4 through 7 of our passage, we see the final breaths of Israel's first earthly king. Saul turns to his armor bearer, much like Abimelech in Judges 9. He says, draw your sword. Thrust me through, end me. Don't let these uncircumcised, don't let the enemy come and kill me and mistreat me as was the custom of warfare to mutilate the body. And as we've read, the armor bearer was, was racked with fear. 
and he knew that he was as good as dead if he killed the Lord's anointed, even if it was a mortal wound. It was a wise decision if you would go on to read 2 Samuel chapter 1, which we will not, Tom, uh, just for your sake. We're not going to move into chapter or to, to the second book this morning, but the armor bearer refused. And so Saul did it himself. And all of the chasing and all of the danger, Saul fell on his own sword. A shocking and overwhelming scene, the armor bearer looking on for whatever reason he joined his king in the grave. Saul and his sons had died. Israel had fled. The Philistines have arrived and killed and looted and set up camp. The enemy has won. King Saul stood against the Philistines and tragically lost. It is a very dark and bad way to end the book. And yet our king, the greater king, King Jesus, you know, he doesn't lose against the enemy. For everyone who stands against God's people, will perish at the might of King Jesus. And, and, and every wicked and evil country, every wicked and evil man or woman, has and will answer to King Jesus. And I can promise it's not a bloodbath of the innocent. It will be the defeat of every wickedness, as Colossians 2, starting in verse 13, declares. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Yeah, he, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So that truth is so sure in Scripture that it's not just some future event, but a present reality and promise. It's already happened. Like he, King Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. What, like what massive implications for us today. For every abuser inside and outside the church, every terrorist that thinks they're gaining ground, for every thief that hides in the dark, for every liar that turns and burns the truth for their own selfish advantage. That wickedness, that evil has been stomped on and defeated by King Jesus. So outside of popular belief, this, this world that we're living in is not like full of good people that have just gone their own way. The older I get, uh, the more I realize that there are wicked men and women that don't give a rip about you and your family. They don't. And they will do anything they want to get their way. E even if it means harming and destroying the weak. And the promise of the Bible, the promise of King Jesus, is that our king won't be th run through by an arrow while we all scatter to the mountainside. No, the promise of the Bible is that King Jesus has and will defeat every enemy for those in Christ 
we look at all of the bad around us as defeated foes. It's not the wicked that are prospering. It's the wicked that are on borrowed time before the hammer drops. It's King Jesus. And yet, with all the bad things and evil around us, and yet with every enemy that surrounds us, who actually killed Saul? Seriously, who killed Saul? Saul. Because the greatest enemy is not just around us, the greatest enemy is ourselves. And Saul missed all of it. So worried about David and the surrounding people, he didn't even realize that he was the biggest problem. Well, who is Saul's enemy? Most certainly, Saul. And J.C. Riley put it like this, we, we're, we're too apt to forget that temptation to sin will rarely present itself to us in its true colors. Saying, I'm your deadly enemy, and I want to ruin you forever in hell. Oh no. Sin comes to us like Judas with a kiss. Like Joab with an outstretched hand and flattering words, the forbidden fruit seemed good and desirable to Eve, yet it cast her out of Eden. Friends, the, the glorious truth of King Jesus is not that he came to just defeat the enemy around us, but also defeat the enemy inside of us. He is victorious over your own sin that seeks to strangle you out. I mean, what a promise. What really good news. That, that your own sin that seeks to end your own life has been conquered by the king. So we don't live and operate like a defeated group of people. Why? Well, 1 John 4, 4 would say this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So for those that believe in the gospel, for those that have been baptized into Christ, Christ who overcomes the world, who overcomes every enemy, who, who's greater than Satan, lives in you. What very good news for God's children. So yeah, Saul lost. And he lost everything. And the enemy plundered the cities. But King Jesus doesn't lose. And he will destroy Every, every wicked reality outside and inside of us. I mean, we, we keep wearing and seeing these Evan Carter shirts. That's what it means. Jesus won, which means we also win. What's the good news? Well, unlike Saul, just give you your second one. Our king defeated death. <clears throat> Not going to sugarcoat it. Verses 8 through 12 are dark. A cruel way to end the book. For everything that Saul's been worried about has actually happened. 
Verse 8, the Philistines came out to loot the bodies of the fallen. And as they're walking across the battlefield, there he was. Like a, like a precious gift to the enemy. Saul run through by his own sword. So the Philistines cut off his head and then sent the good news across the land that Israel's king was dead. Then they stripped him of his own armor and placed it in the temple of the false goddess Ashtaroth. And maybe worst of all, they pinned his naked and decapitated body to the wall. A horrific scene. So, so terrible that the men of Jabesh-Gilead, a place that, that Saul saved back in 1 Samuel 11, a salvation these men had not forgotten, well, they, they made the dangerous journey to recover the king's body for a proper burial. King Saul's dead. The enemy has won. That's how 1 Samuel ends. But our king? No, our king defeated death. Unlike Saul, King Jesus was and is fully man and fully God. King Jesus obeyed his father. King Jesus was always faithful. King Jesus didn't take off running to a medium when things got difficult. King Jesus took off to the mountainside to pray. King Jesus is everything that King Saul was not. He was not captured by the enemy. He freely gave himself. He was beaten. He was stripped of his clothes. He was nailed to a cross with a sign above him that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And some, like, like some respectable men from Jabesh, the body of King Jesus was taken for a proper burial, placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Both kings dead. But it's only King Jesus that's capable of defeating death. 1 Corinthians 15. A lot of scripture here. 24, starting in verse 24. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every ruler, every authority, every power, he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, but when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. For the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And you're really like, well, how's that all going to work out? The book tells us, Revelation 20, starting in verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead who were in who were in it, death and Hades, gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. For the price of your sin, the price of my sin, again, it's always death. Always. So Saul 
paid that price for himself. And his sin took him to the grave. But King Jesus, King Jesus pays the price for all of those that might call on his name. Hebrews 2.14 Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And he will deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And when that price was paid and Christ rose from the dead, defeating and conquering death for all eternity, 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his grace, great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the really good news of 1 Samuel 31. That's the good news of Christ being born, that that the king has arrived and will vanquish the enemy and destroy death for all his children. That's really, really good news. So we've been told, we had been told that the, the views were spectacular. How you can see for miles and miles on both sides and um, I, I personally, I don't do anything without first doing a ton of research. Um, so I had seen the pictures online and uh, this brief hike on the Appalachian Trail would provide a pretty big payout. So we gathered our little family into the 2012 Town and Country minivan. Um, these kids were really little at the time, but I, I knew they could handle it. So we drove to the top of uh, Rome Mountain Right by the state line, we parked and began our journey, the children holding their bottles of water, stomping through the mud with their knockoff Crocs from Walmart, and the views were going to be spectacular. Charged my phone, make sure that I had plenty of battery to take pictures when we got to the top. If you've ever hiked to Carver's Gap from that location, you know it's not, it's not very difficult. It's a pretty simple and easy hike. And as we came to the, um, out of the second tree line, there it was. We were there. And as we looked across the landscape, we were face to face with a um, thick cover of fog. And honestly, I mean, it was so bad, you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. We weren't the only disappointed hikers. Plenty of sad-looking men and women passed uh, by us with cameras by their side. Pretty disappointing. The views were pretty depressing that day. Just be honest with each other. What do you see across the valley of your life right now? Because I know what these Israel, Israelites saw in verse 7. As the men of Israel stood on the other side, they looked out in front of them in despair, and they saw the, their own people running for their lives. They saw their king and his sons that were dead. And they looked out and saw nothing but death and hopelessness, and they bailed. That's what they saw. A dead king and their future evaporating before them. So again, what do you see across the valley of your life right now.
Because if you're in Christ, if you're a child of God, we don't stare into the future of a dead king and a plundered people. If you are in Christ, we look across the valley and see victory. That our king has won. That King Jesus has defeated the enemy. That King Jesus has even defeated death. If you're in Christ, we look into the future and then our hearts swell with eternal hope. Charles Swindle, he put it like this, the devil, darkness, and death may swagger and boast. The pangs of life will sting for a while longer. Don't worry. Don't worry, the forces of evil are breathing their last. Not to worry. He's risen. So I, I say this with all seriousness and passion. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever it is, I can truly say with all confidence that in all of the hills and the valleys, there is always kingdom hope. That's, that's your main point. Whatever you're going through and all of the hills and valleys, there will always be kingdom hope. Let's pray together. God, we confess it is a dark way to end the book. A king that is dead. His sons dead the people in fear running for their lives. It's just not our story. God, if we are in Christ, as we look across and look into the future, we don't see a dead king. We don't see a plundered people. We see King Jesus who has defeated the enemy. We see King Jesus that has defeated death. because of his victory, we can be victorious. That whatever we're going through um, this morning, if we're in Christ, whether it's going real well or it's, it's not going well at all, God, there is kingdom hope in King Jesus always. God, so we're thankful uh, for the truth of your word and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.